going to sing a song from our uh, Christmas musical that we're going to do the last one of them tonight. Uh, this is with the medley, the Christmas medley, and it involves you, so you can sing along with us. So you, you stand and let's sing together. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Ladies, just the ladies, here we go. Now, just the men in fields where they lay keeping their sheep. On a cold winter's night that was so deep. Everybody. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the King of Israel. 
Born is the king. Born is the king. Born is the king of Israel. Born is the king of For us. Here we go. be seated. I, I live in a country in East Asia with three million people. Um, many of those are nomadic herdsmen who still live in a vast wilderness where the gospel has never been able to penetrate. And they live in a structure called a gare. It's a large round felt tent that they can pick up and move. Many of these families move, you know, up to 11 times in a year and just pack everything up and, and put it on a camel and we'll move across the country. It is a passion of mine to be able to take the gospel to those who've never had the opportunity to hear the name of Christ. How we do that is we, through National Believers, we're able to meet physical needs and in ways that shows the love of Christ. Whether it's by replacing a gear that's been burned down, um, giving coal in the wintertime whenever it's negative 40 degrees outside um, and they have nothing to heat their home. Whether it's giving hay to herdsmen to be able to keep their livestock alive. Um, these things are just a small part of what we do to show the love of Christ in a way to open up the door to be able to share the gospel. Meeting their physical needs can open up doors um, to these families and through that 
we're able to share creation to Christ and then move that into them being able to hear discipleship lessons and and finally with the end goal of, of seeing churches in some of these areas that have never never been able to experience the gospel. Through this, we've been able to see um, herdsmen come to know Christ, to accept Him. We're able to see them being baptized in a vast wilderness. It's because of your giving through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we're able to go to these places. We're able to, to share the gospel with these people who've never had a chance to hear. This video is a reminder of our Christmas offering through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that we're giving this Christmas. We're about halfway to our goal and so we just want to remind you to continue to give, to take the gospel to the nations around the world. Each week we'll get to hear stories uh, just like this one of how our IMB missionaries are, are proclaiming God's word across the, across the globe. Well, welcome this morning to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're, you're here to worship with us. If you're a first-time guest, we want to especially welcome you. Uh, you'll see there in the pew rack in front of you is one of these little white guest registration cards. And it's just a way for us to get to know you by name. Uh, there's not any trick questions on here. You'll be, you'll be able to answer all these. Um, some real simple general information. You can give us your name and, and how you'd prefer us to contact you. We'd love to be able to tell you more about our church and, and the ministry and mission opportunities that are going on in the life of our church. And then on Monday mornings, uh, we take time to pray for all of the prayer requests that are listed on these cards. And so if you just have something you'd like us to pray for, I drop that in the offering plate as well, and we'd be glad to pray for that tomorrow morning in our staff meeting. Um, this, this Christmas season, Dr. Cox is going through a sermon series called The First and Second Comings of, of Jesus. And all throughout Scripture and throughout songs that we sing, we see where these two events are connected. They're brought together. And so I want to read um, this hymn. It's a familiar hymn with the song, Angels from the Realms of Glory. And here, even in this song, is another example of where we can see uh, the first coming of Christ, his birth, and his anticipated second coming uh, that we long await for. Listen to the words of this song. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight over all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching over your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant's light. Both these first two verses are about the first coming of Christ and his birth. Listen to verse 4. Saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. Suddenly the Lord descending in his temple shall appear. All about his second coming when he'll come for us again one day. But here's the great part about this uh, hymn. Listen to the chorus. It says, come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. And that's what we're here gathered this morning, to come and worship our Savior. Let me pray for us. Father, as we come this morning, as we worship you, our Christ as our king, Father, we just pause to say thank you for what you've done for us. We're thankful that we have uh, your love letter to us so we can see in scripture not only the reminder of your your first coming but the promise of your second coming the promise that you're coming back for us again lord many thought when you first came you'd be coming in in a, a military style and lord though you uh, showed victory over over death and sin by dying on the cross for us lord we look forward to your second coming when you'll reign forever god we love you and as we worship you this morning we pray that you uh, just challenge us by your, the truth of your word and change us so we live, that we leave here differently. Father, we thank you that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us and let's sing that song. Angels from the realms of glory. 
from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. He who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn Sages, leave your contemplation, Seder visions beam afar. Thinking, faith, and desire of nations, Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn. Saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. Ain't indeed the Lord's descending in his temple shall be king. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn king. Sing the last line, here we go. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Amen, amen. Emmanuel, hallowed manger ground. What hope we hold this starlit night A king is born in Bethlehem Our journey long we seek the light That leads to the hollow and manger ground What fear we felt in this silent age Four hundred years can he be found, but broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hollow and manger ground.
Oh, Lord, I wish we could find more words to praise you because I feel like we repeat ourselves so much. I mean, after all, what words can we say that would repay you for all that you have done? What phrase could we utter to equal the blessings you have given us? What prayer could we pray that could express the worship that you deserve? Our words fall short. Oh, Holy Spirit, we pray, help us. Help our hearts speak the praises that our lips cannot pronounce. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. It's good to see you today. Today I have some low-tech visual aids. If uh, you have been with us before, you know from time to time I do this. If uh, you're a guest with us for the first time, this is not normal. This is not what we normally do. Uh, but uh, I'm sort of a visual learner, and uh, maybe others of you learn visually, and uh, so I hope it will help you, or it, as I said, it just keeps the deacons awake a little bit So when I do something, but that's a joke. We've got great deacons, and uh, I appreciate them very much. So let me get set up here. So I'm sharing a series of sermons about... Uh, the first and second comings of Christ this month during December. We began last week by looking at Old Testament prophecies, and we saw that in the Old Testament, both the first and second comings of Christ were predicted often back-to-back in the same verse. Now, it didn't delineate them that way. They looked at it from afar, but now we see that God in His plan had had that as part of His plan all along. Well, today I want to sort of show you a visual demonstration of how these two comings relate. So I've got a piece of lumber here that we're going to ask you to imagine as a timeline, and this represents the current age in which we live. The beginning point of this age is the fall of man, we call it. When we sinned in the Garden of Eden and God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden and the curse came upon our world. And so I've painted this piece of lumber sort of a dull gray, because there's some bleakness to the, to the pain and the suffering and the heartache and the death that is a part of this current age in which we live. This age will end with what the Old Testament calls the Day of the Lord, or the New Testament calls Judgment Day, uh, that uh, often in the Old Testament it spoke of God as the Day of the Lord is coming, that day will be a terrible day, a day of judgment. And so that is the old age or the, the current age. Thankfully, there's another age. There is an age to come. And uh, this piece of lumber represents the new age, the age to come. And so I painted it white because it's going to sparkle. It's going to be a time of purity and and cleanliness and, and hope and joy. And this one, of course, should extend out that window and across the parking lot. It should go forever and ever. But if you'll uh, let this represent that new age that will last forever. Now, what the people in the Old Testament expected is that the old age would end and the new age would begin. That the day of the Lord would separate these two ages And that on Judgment Day, the day of the Lord, that the new age would begin. They were right to expect that, had no reason not to. But God had a different plan that was not revealed to them, but is revealed at Christmas time. It was a mystery. You like a mystery? You ever read a mystery or watch a mystery on TV and you don't know how it's going to end and then the mystery is revealed? We live in the day when the mystery has been revealed. The mystery was there would not be one coming of the Messiah, of God, that would end the old age and begin the new. The mystery was that there would be two comings, and so these two ages would overlap. That there would be an overlap of the ages that would, the new age would begin before the old age ended. So we're going to create an overlap here. You bear with me for just a minute. 
there's always a danger, a risk in low-tech visual aids that something goes wrong, especially so in this one. Because I could run a screw through my finger and that would not be good or something else could go wrong. Let me put one more for good measure. The mystery of God's plan is that there would be an overlap of the ages. That the new age would begin before the old age ended. That Christ would come not once, but twice. So Jesus' first coming, he instituted this new age. Here's his first coming. At his second coming, the old age will end and the new age will reach fullness. And so this time between the first and the second comings of Christ is an overlap between the old age and the new age in which we experience some of the gray and some of the white, some of the old and some of the new. Now what is the purpose of this overlap. Why did God do it this way rather than just one coming, one simple coming to end the old and begin the new? Why two comings? Why the overlap? Well, the mystery that God revealed to us is that the purpose of this overlap is that Gentiles might experience this salvation of God. The purpose of the overlap is to extend God's salvation to the Gentiles. Let me read it to you in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 4 through 6. In reading this then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So why didn't God do it simply and end the old age and begin the new? Because his word had only come to his chosen people, Israel, and God's plan was that non-Jews, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, most of us are Gentiles, and God did this for us. The reason there are two comings, the reason there's an overlap is for us, because God loves us, and God wanted to include us and extend his plan of salvation to the Gentiles. And so he begins the new age and has a period of ingathering of the Gentiles before the ending of the old age. Even the first disciples didn't understand this fully, even after the resurrection. Let me read to you in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Then they gathered around him and asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You hear their wording there? We ready to shut this thing down, Lord? Well, they wanted to shut it down right here. You're going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And Jesus said, Verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But here's my purpose in not restoring the kingdom to Israel now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, I'm sending you to all the nations because I want all people to have this opportunity to have eternal life by believing in me. And so there's going to be this age, this period of overlap when the new has come but the old has not ended so that others might come into the kingdom. Jesus did this for us. That's why there's two comings. And he goes on to say, after that, verse 9, after this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight, and they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood by them. Men of Galilee said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven 
will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so in God's timing, he'll return to end the old age and bring the fullness of the new age. So (coughs) we live in the overlap of the two ages. And so the life that we live is going to experience characteristics of both the old and the new. They're going to be an experience of the old age. We're living in the last days. These are the last days of the old age. Let me show it to you in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So he's spoken during this age and many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So the last days of this old age are between the first and second comings of Christ. We're living in the last days days. Uh, Jesus, when he came, he came, as this verse says, in these last days. And so this last part of the old age is sort of like the death throes of the old age, and there's going to be an intensification of evil in this time that's going to characterize all this time. Let me show it to you in 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 1. But mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. And so what Paul is writing to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, the last days are going to be characterized by these things. This is true of Timothy's day. It's true of our day. It's true of all the time of the last days. We're living in these last days. And here's what it says in the last days of the old age. Verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That characterizes the last days, the age in which we live. Well, if that's the bad news, here's the good news. We're not only experience the last days of the old area, but we experience the first days of the new era. And the Bible calls them first fruits. That's the word the Bible uses to describe the taste we have the experience we have of the new age which Jesus has brought in his first coming and we at the same time we're living in the last days are also experiencing the first fruits let me show you that in scripture there are three things I'm going to share with you that are first fruits of this new age in which we live first of all in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 Jesus resurrection is the first fruit of the new age. You understand what I mean about first fruit? Uh, First fruit signals a harvest that's later to come. Maybe you grow tomatoes and you wait all spring and then there's that first red ripe tomato. Oh, we got our first tomato today. That's your first fruits of what is to come, right? Well, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So at the beginning of this overlap, The first fruits, Jesus rose from the dead. This begins the new era. There's resurrection. There's life beyond death. There's hope. And it says in verse 23, 1 Corinthians 15, 23, but each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And so we'll follow at the end of this age, but we know it's going to happen because the first fruits are already here. The second thing the Bible calls the first fruits that are true in the overlap is the Holy Spirit, which is a taste of the fullness of this age. We have now, during this overlap, from the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost till Christ returns, we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that is our down payment and our taste of the age to come. It tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Yes, there's some groaning in this time because we've got this overlap, but although we're groaning, we have the first 
fruits of the Spirit. We have a taste of the kingdom of heaven. We have the power of God within us until the redemption of our bodies. One more way that the word first fruits is used. The taste of this new age, the first fruits, is not only the resurrection of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit, but you, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are a kind of first fruit of the whole new creation. God's going to make everything new. And he's already made you new. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So he's already started his new creation. That's a first fruit. We read that in James chapter 1, verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So you're a first fruit. You are a signal of this new age to come and a taste of what is ahead because he's making things new and he started with you. You see how living in the overlap means that we're going to experience both the old and the new at the same time. When you understand the overlap, it helps to understand some things, I think. It helps to understand the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus say the kingdom has come, the kingdom is at hand, and yet he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Why? Both. Because the kingdom has come, but it's not yet come in fullness. And so the kingdom of heaven is set up in your hearts. It's here. But he still taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because it's not yet come in fullness. I think it helps you to understand some, some views of end times. You know, uh, sincere Christians disagree about uh, how things are going to wrap up, about end times, about eschatology. And, and when you understand the overlap, it sort of helps you to understand that a little bit. There, there are some folks who are uh, post-millennial, that is, a view of the end times, that believes that they're will be a thousand years or a millennium of peace that will come and then Christ will come after that, post-millennial. Well, you see, those folks are reading the passages that relate to the new age, like the, the parable of the mustard seed. It starts so small and it's growing, and they see the kingdom of God growing. So they're largely optimistic, right? Because they're focusing on the new age and believe that the kingdom is growing. Then there are other folks who are called premillennial Christians, and they're just as sincere and reading their Bibles just as much, but they're focusing on the passages that say the world is getting worse, and in these last days things are bad, and so they tend to be sort of pessimistic. They're, they're a lot more pessimistic than, than postmillennials because they say it's only that Jesus has to come pre before there could be any millennium. Well, you, you may not agree with those, but can you at least sort of understand where both of them are coming from? That both of them have some degree of the truth. There is, the new age has come, and yet the last days are the worst of the old age. And so for us, living in the overlap means there's going to be in our lives a mixture of good and evil. And we need to acknowledge that. You know, some people, they want the holidays to be perfect. Are you like that? Or you know somebody like that? They want everything to be perfect, the holidays. They want the food to be perfect. They want the family to get along perfectly. They want the weather to be perfect. The travel to be perfect, right? It's not going to be perfect. We live when there's a mixture of gray and white, of old and new. Suffering and heartache and death are still with us. If you want everything to be perfect, you're setting yourself up for great disappointment. Better to acknowledge the mixture of the overlap. We still do funerals in December. Death still among us. My dad died 40 years ago today. December 8, 1979. I was 23 years old. He was uh, bush hogging, uh, running a rotary mower on a, in a pasture. A dead tree fell on him, hit him in the back and killed him. 
58 years old. I was in Fort Worth, Texas, going to seminary. Cindy and I had just gotten married in August of that same year, 1979. And uh, we, didn't, we weren't able to come home for Thanksgiving from uh, Texas to, to Georgia. Uh, Cindy worked. She'd already graduated. She had a job. I still had another semester to go in school. So her, we didn't have enough time off for, to come home. And uh, my parents had folks at their house for Thanksgiving. And so a week before Thanksgiving, my mom and dad uh, drove their camper out to Texas from Georgia. My mom baked a turkey, cooked dressing, cranberry sauce, loaded it in the camper, drove to, to Fort Worth, camped in a campground near uh, Fort Worth at a lake there. And on a picnic table in the, in the uh, campground, we had Thanksgiving dinner, turkey, dressing, everything, my mom and dad, Cindy and I, and that was the last time I ever saw my dad. And so December 8th, 40 years ago today, uh, we were getting, Cindy and I were getting ready to go to a Christmas party. Uh, the bank where she worked had this party, it, it was at a, a nice restaurant in uh, Fort Worth, uh, Joe T. Garcia's, if you, and when you're in seminary, you don't go to many nice restaurants, you know. So we were excited about that. And uh, so you had all of the, the joy of the, of the new beginning. And right about dusk, I was putting my shirt on. We were getting dressed, putting my shirt on. I remember my mom called and said, your dad got killed today. Uh, a tree fell on him when he was on a tractor and killed him. Flew home the next day or so for the funeral and then flew back and took my finals at at uh, Southwestern. So in the very time that you're getting ready to, for a Christmas party to celebrate the new, the new age, you're reminded the old age is still here. Now, some of you have experienced greater loss than that. Some of the people in our church have had kids die in December. That's a tough thing. It reminds us of the overlap. And you can do one of, you, you can do, choose your options. You can uh, wallow in despair. Or you can pretend that everything is perfect. Or you can acknowledge we live in an overlap. There's going to be heartache. But in the midst of the heartache. There is the hope of the resurrection, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the new creation in a family of believers that he has made. I'm going to tell you one more story about the overlap. One of my favorite American poets is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And uh, he lived during the Civil War, American Civil War. He and his wife had six kids. Uh, in 1861, his uh, wife had uh, just trimmed her seven-year-old daughter's hair and took some of the locks of hair and wanted to save it. That's, you know, something they did back then. And she, one way they saved it was by preserving it in candle wax. So she lit a candle, melting wax, and put on the lock of hair. They wore those big dresses, you know, in Civil War days. And uh, the flame dripped on her dress, caught her dress on fire. She screamed for her husband in the next room. He came running in, rolled her in a rug, tried to put it out. When that didn't work, he tried to suffocate the flames with his own body. She died. And his face was burnt, and he was unable to attend the funeral. He was left with six kids. Two years later, in 1863, his oldest son, Charles, turned 18 and enlisted in the Union Army against his father's wishes. Later that year, November of 1863, in the Battle of New Hope Church, Wadsworth's son, Charles, was seriously injured. A bullet went in one shoulder, came out the other shoulder, missed his spine barely. They thought that perhaps he'd be paralyzed. Henry received the news on December 1st, 1863. So that Christmas... As a widower raising six kids, one of them in a military hospital that might be paralyzed for the rest of his life. On Christmas Day, December 25th, 1863, he heard the bells of the church 
ring out the carols. And he wrote the poem about the overlap. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then from every black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound the carols drowned. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's what it means to live in the overlap. We live with heartache, but in the midst of that heartache, there is the hope and joy of the first fruits of the new age. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song of commitment. And if you're experiencing in this season the heartache and pain of the old age, that's understandable. How tragic it would be to live only in the old age when there is the hope and possibility of a new age. You can enter into that. You can be born again. Your life can be created new by the one who will one day make all things new. And if you put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, who came the first time to die for us and is coming again to rescue us, then his Holy Spirit will come into your life and give you strength for living beyond your own resources. And you can know the hope of living forever in heaven in the new kingdom. Today, would you believe that? Would you allow Christ to come into your life? And so I'm going to invite you to walk forward and meet me here. Declare your faith in Jesus as a follower of him. Maybe you need a church home, invite you to come as God speaks to you. Let's sing together. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing knee, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are. Where you comes my way when I cannot stand I fall on you 
Please be seated again, if you will. We're going to give our offerings now in worship to a God who's given to us. We give back to him. Will you bow with me? Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for the gift that you've given us uh, in, in your son, Jesus Christ. And during the season of giving... I just pray that you would give us generous hearts, that we may give back to you uh, to help uh, further your kingdom and to bring your glory on earth. We just pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Above thy deep and dreamer. 
As we close here uh, this morning, just a couple of quick announcements. You're not going to want to miss tonight. We got just a, a small taste of the, the music that's going to be taking place here tonight at 6 o'clock. And so don't want to miss the musical Almost There. It begins at 6 p.m. here at the church. And uh, afterwards, just a time of fellowship. There'll be hot chocolate and, and cookies in the parlor. And, and there's a Christmas backdrop. And so kind of make it a, a festive event come out enjoy the music and then go down there and get a family photo and and enjoy some hot chocolate and and a cookie or three or five <coughs> um what whatever you'd like to do uh, they'll be down there in the parlor there's several important announcements there in your worship guide you can see um you know we've got food boxes that are going to be delivered we've got gifts that need to be returned uh, by next sunday for the angel tree so if you haven't got that done this is just kind of your seven day deadline um, that's, those need to be brought back here by next Sunday. Again, those are unwrapped, and you can just stick your label on there so we know what number that is and bring it over there by the angel tree where you picked that up. And then the last one that I'm supposed to make is about the new incredible uh, Jesus Tent sweatshirts, but Jake made that announcement the first service, and he was wearing one, and so that was a lot more effective when he made that announcement because he had it on, and I don't have one on. Ryan, you got yours on? It, mine's in my office right now, too. And so, um, anyway, they look really great. If you see Jake this morning, I've actually seen two or three other people wearing them. And so you can purchase one of those in the uh, bookstore. And, and as Jake said, it's a win-win-win because, you know, the sweatshirt looks great. You're going to be promoting the Jesus tent. But also, there's a very, very minor upgrade, um, you know, upcharge on that sweatshirt. We just basically are, are charging you the cost of what it was to produce them. But that little upgrade... Uh, goes to support missions and so our bookstore supports proclaiming the gospel across the globe and so anything that you purchase in there is for missions and it's it's a good thing and so um, those are just a few of the important announcements and so I'm going to close this out in prayer and then if you are a guest with us we'd love for you to be able to meet our lead pastor Dr. Cox isn't he great um, I just love him um, Anyway, he's at down at the welcome desk, and as you exit these doors, just head down to your left, and you'll see him there, and he's got a small gift for all first-time guests, and, and it's nothing scary. It's a movie and popcorn, uh, so it's like a free date night, you know. Um, I mean, it could, could work for you. All right, let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you. Uh, just for the, the hope and the promise of your return that we have. Father, we thank you that you love us. And in this Christmas season, as we uh, turn just to celebrate your birth, um, let it help us focus our attention on your return and the life that we have to live uh, with hope and peace and, and joy right now while we're here on earth. And so, God, during this Christmas season, let us celebrate you and uh, your birth and your life and your death and your sacrifice and your resurrection and the hope that we have in you. God, it's in your sons and we pray. Amen.